All right. Friends, family, friends who have become familia, welcome to your favorite 45 minutes to an hour of the beautiful game every week. Yes, welcome to another episode of the Reformed Hooligans podcast presented to you by SSAW. As always, I am your host, Usahan, here with my co-host, Brian. What's going on, man? Ugh. This is like the crazy, this was literally trade deadline week. We'll call this just trade deadline week in general. This was chaos. Um, you know, we'll call, well, this episode is called the super flop. Okay. I mean, for obvious reasons, but in more than one way, and be honest with you, because uh, we're going to start the episode with an old friend of ours, Yo. Our Uncle Jose. And Uncle Jose, Uncle Jose is gonna he's gonna have a lot of time to drink some venue now Dude. that's for sure he might have to get he might have to wait for george jesus to get plunked at benfica right. to get a big time job now that's the Dude. only job he's gonna get when i woke up on monday morning to see that headline i said oh it's gonna be an interesting week you wake up Monday morning and you see that Jose Mourinho has been sacked. And it's crazy. What was it? I want to say it was two episodes ago that we talked about it. And I asked, hey, if, if, you know, with the run that Tottenham has been on, should Jose get fired? And you said unequivocally, absolutely, yes, he's got to go. And I mean, they won with Ryan Mason. There you go. Shout out to Ryan Mason. Without Kane, without Harry Kane, which, I mean, Poch made it work without Harry Kane. Remember when people said that Tottenham was better without Harry Kane on the pitch? And I wanted to cry. I wanted to cry at these people. I'm like, are you kidding me? The best striker on the British Islands? And you're saying that the team that never wins anything is better without him? Well, maybe maybe then they should He wants out. (laughs) I know Spurs fans don't feel that way, but. England fans in general feel that way. I'm like, okay, so if you want to leave him off the England team this this winter, you know, or, or the summer, maybe you can give him the oh. Wales. You know, Gareth oh. Bale and Aaron oh. Ramsey can use him. So if you want, if you really feel that way, see how much better Wales are, because you know they went to a quarterfinal in a Euro four years ago, and if it wasn't for Aaron Ramsey being suspended, that might have been a different game. Just saying, I will say that. So, so Kane's Brian, where does Tottenham go from here? Ryan Mason is the caretaker manager, but we know they got a higher permanent. Who are you looking at? Well, so the, some of the candidates were kind of funny. So let's start with, uh, well, Ryan Mason hey. played at Fulham, right? Yep. I mean, I played at Fulham and he played at Spurs. So let's talk about one of his teammates at both places. How about Scott Parker? Uh, ha. <laughs> no, I don't think Scott Parker is a bad manager. I just think Scott Parker was bad for Fulham. The problem with Scott Parker is why would I hire Scott Parker if you could have Ledley King? No, I'm kidding. Brian, right, come on, Now I'm back on the serious candidates. Um, nah, no disrespect to Ledley, but like, nah, this whole, the whole former player thing, that got that got to stop. Lampard. Lampard is where that thing lies, okay? Um, I will say this. There's one guy that I'd love to see hired, and that is um, Eddie Howe. Eddie Howe would be perfect for Spurs. Um, the same way that Poch lined them up, that 4-2-3-1, that hybrid 4-3-3. Oh, yeah. um, that's kind of the way Spurs are set up to play with Lacelso mm-hmm. and, Dom- and, and Dombele. 
and also Harry Winks. So you have to kind of know your depth as well. Also, I will throw a name out there because I just remembered that he hasn't been coaching for a while, and we haven't mentioned his name in about probably two or three months or so. But what about Max Allegri? I know he's interested. He's been interested in coaching the Premier oh, League wow. before. Wow! Yeah, and that's that's yeah. a top level club. Spurs Spurs could do it. You know, I think um, Allegri can do exactly what he did after Conte left Juve, which, you know, Conte and Jose Mourinho kind of have very similar, like very, they're very good managers. Um, the players that like playing for them love playing for them. The players that hate them hate them. It is one of this, uh, including some guys that hate Mourinho and love Conte, like Lukaku. But um, <laughs> nice little Hilarious. nice little swing there. But man, but Max Allegri, I think, He's someone that obviously has been out of the job for two years. The formation that he used, imagine if he could use Ndombele, similar to how he used Pogba at Juve, right? Use Lacelso, very similar to how Pirlo was used later in his career. And then maybe you, they have to figure out that defensive midfield because I love Sissoko, but that's the only guy you could throw back there. And obviously that's not going to work long term. So there's there's a bit of a question there, but defensive midfield's been a problem unless you put Eric Dyer there. I feel um, like that's, that's better than that having like Eric too. Dyer play center back. Well, they let Young Vertonghen go without replacing him and put no faith in Davinson Sanchez. So this is what it comes down to for Spurs. I think if Allegri gets signed, they're going to have to get a center back. Um, and that means if Allegri's on there, that means Levy's going to spend more money. Now. Who would be the number one center back option on the market? Because Colabali, if Napoli finishes in the top four in Italy, yep, that's forget about that's it. forget about it. that that's not happening. I mean, if they finish fifth or sixth in Italy, you might be able to snag them with some you know extra pay cuts. But like an option that exists, I mean, outside of the youngsters, I mean, there are some youngsters from Belgium that I think fit Tottenham's prescription, uh, like Sebastian Bernayo, for example. Um. You know, he fits right. Toby Alderweireld is also from Belgium. That's a good fit there. Um, ben Mee from Burnley, maybe. That kind of fit. He kind of fits that Spurs profile. I concur. What What is it I told you the other day about Ben Mee? Yeah, that's an underrated oh, center back pairing right yeah, there. Tarkow- if Tottenham had them two, and then maybe put Ashley Barnes as a number 10. Tottenham, with the same team they have right now, would be a full squad. Because Alderweireld as a third center back is very interesting to me. Having Davinson Sanchez gone and not on the mm-hmm. roster is very interesting to me yeah. as well, if you're not going to use him. And then if I, was, if I was Spurs, they have to make a decision. They have to sell LaCelso and Dombele. And between the, the four of them, they might have to move two between Harry Wiggs, Deli Alley, and Dombele. Well, we can already count Deli Alley is gone. That's... It's just a matter of where or if it's going to be via swap. I thought in... Yeah. If I'm Harry Winks, I'm looking at Everton right now and saying, how do I Yo, get in that rotation? That's smart. Because that's a good fit for him. Another good fit for him would be Southampton, where there was talks about Harry Winks going to Southampton, not only in the fall window, because it right. wasn't a summer window at that point, it was a fall window. And then in the winter window as well, there was talks about Harry Winks going to Spurs, and the, and the, he was going to be the original. He was going to be a part of the oh. Walker Peters exchange too. So 
That was the original player before Walker Peters was thrown in there, which Harry Winks for Hoiberg would have made sense for both sides. But Walker Peters has been pretty good for Southampton until maybe the last five so, games. So Winks to it, Southampton. It's tough. You'll have him. Right. And then right. Hoiberg coming back the oh, other yeah. That would have been the original. I'm not mad at that. But they couldn't agree on a transfer deal, so they got Walker Peters. Yeesh. That's just, uh, and both teams exactly. have been weak at both nope. of those positions. Market holes on both sides. Just, it makes no sense to me. Serge Aurier is yeah, going to go. That's another one. Spurs too. That, that's, that, he's so up and down. And speaking of up and down too, like um, a big Leicester City shout out. Yeah. Uh, what is it? Uh, 12 goals in the last eight games for him. I mean, granted, he had the hat trick in the, in the, uh, in the cup right. game, in the cup quarterfinal. But, hey, he, listen. Falling. He's fine. Finally, looking because he's playing right. the number ten role. That he's better. Shout out to Man City for not <laughs> being able to use him while he was young. He's like Nigeria's exactly Thomas it. Rodriguez. That's a great comparison. It's just uh, it 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 is. Except he doesn't take as many yeah. long shots. But I like right. that he works his way in he the makes, box. He makes that's decent, thing those I like decent runs. Like, I mean, he'll shoot it to the moon. You know. Could be a place kicker. Could be a place kicker. <laughs> He'll shoot to the mood a few times. So easily. But um, yeah, transition that cluster. Is there anything like any actually any candidates you'd like to throw in there? I've heard because I mean that's Allegri. That's I think Allegri would be the best for what he wants. I think Eddie Howe's the most pragmatic pick. I've heard rumblings of a Nagelsmann, Julian Nagelsmann, although that's definitely a step down for him because like you and I have both said, RB is a better team than Tottenham. Why would he step? The only reason Julian Nagelsmann would take that job would be out of ego to say, watch me do this with this Tottenham squad. And he's... He he got offered the Chelsea job. No. And why say yes to Tottenham, you know? Well, RB also said no. So why say yes to Tottenham, no. I mean, if I'm if I'm Nagelsmann, I'm waiting for Dortmund. Yeah. For him, a guy who's been at three three places even before Hoffenheim. I forget the Bundesliga two team he coached before them, but all teams that favor youth academies, they're good with young players. Chelsea is the perfect place for a coach that wants to build up that academy. And I know that there's a fight within. I've been reading it, it, when in Chelsea, there's a fight of whether they want to do, they want to build around the academy or they want to build around the, uh, the young stars. Now, the thing is, is that, well, if they decide to go with Nogglesman, that might be a good way to, if they would have, that would have been as good as Tuchel, in my opinion, for Chelsea. Now, if you're going to give Spurs to Nogglesman, that means that you're basically expecting him to work with Harry Winks and Deli Alley. I mean, Spurs, that's not the good. That's not a good hire for her for not, not a good. Scout. True, true. Just, I mean, for Dortmund, that's that's perfect for him. I mean, I would even say like, if Nagelsmann went from Hoffenheim to Southampton, and then right now Spurs were looking for Nagelsmann, that would be a little bit different. But like, you can't just go. That's that's too low in the Premier League. Like, I think Liverpool, that's where he could go mm-hmm. after Klopp goes to Bayern. Like, that's the kind of – that's that's where Jurgen – that's where um, Yo. Julian's heading right now. So, yeah, Tottenham, um, we'll come back to them later on in this episode. Um, 
Other news, not a firing, but a resigning. Um, Ed Woodward, Witless Woodward is finally gone. Brian, let me tell you, I might have done a backflip when I got the alert saying he's leaving. Yeah, and then I hear that story that he was going to resign at the end of the season anyway. I don't, I'm, I'm like, not buying that combo. though, Brian. I what can't. A combo. What was that supposed to be his final job? And then like the Glazers like give him like a freaking farewell and the sun, like Richard Nixon, just, you know, just like kissing, kissing the moon on the way out. Like Woodward literally just, I don't, I don't get what the whole thing is with Woodward. Um, United, obviously we're in a position where obviously everything with the Super League is probably why Woodward's retiring because of all the backlash. But, I mean, you look at United's structure, all the fans have wanted him out for, I mean, God knows when. He's been there for 15 years, so they probably wanted him out for the better part of the last eight or nine. Probably since Ronaldo left, probably. Woodward's been wanted out. And United fans haven't really been successful in about eight or nine years. So, at this point, I think it's time that instead of making money and trying to work on the commercial aspect of Manchester United's business side, it's now time to put the football side as a priority. And this is something I think that some of the other clubs that we'll mention with the Super League have to also take into mention that all this money that they're spending, and it's like corporate America in this way too, for those people that are in the politics, they want a bailout. Like Edward Word goes, well, all my banking strategies, all my cut, my, my micromanaging, it didn't save Manchester United from, you know, finance. It didn't financially True. immune them from COVID. Everybody got hit. But at the same time, since the Ronaldo sale, United fans have been at his neck. Yeah. Like, it's I'm been still at his neck. He's He said he's leaving at the end of the year, and I'm still at his neck. I want him to leave early. I do. Well, yeah. But here's the thing, too. I remember reading the thing. Oh, Ronaldo's peak will end around 2014 or something. No, as far as I'm concerned, it hasn't really ended yet. But most of the strikers you bought since then have. Just saying. Bought. Not even. And the best striker you bought since then. Oh, yeah, that's right. Where's he now? He wanted to leave because you hired a dumbass. A manager who just got fired this week. Oh, how things have come full circle. That's right. Oh, how the world turns. Oh, yeah. Witless Woodward. Deuces. So glad you're out of there. Uh, you know what, Brian? Do you watch the show? The biggest winner is always. Oh, for though. sure. Always for the sure. biggest winner. Brian, do you always. watch the show Black Monday? Yeah. Black I Monday is uh, starring Don Cheadle. You should definitely check it out. But uh, actually, you would enjoy Black Monday. I just thought about it. You, Yeah, you would thoroughly enjoy it. Um, because this was it, the stock market crash at 87. No one knows how or why it happened. So the show is kind of like a dark comedic riff on what possibly could have happened. But they have these these actors, they're twins, who play uh, the actual Lehman Brothers. And they are just like the creepiest, just money-hungry guys you can imagine. That's what Joel and Avram Glazer remind me of, is those two. Go and watch an episode or two this weekend, and you'll get what I'm saying. The Glazers need to go, too. I mean, the way they bought United. Just the way they bought United. I mean, at least with, like, some of the other owners, you can look at Abramovich and go, okay. You can look at John Henry and say, well, 
John Henry also was a part of a big restoration project right. restoring Fenway Park in Boston. He's also been a big part of trying to restore Anfield, and he has done it with his own money. So John Henry, despite the fact I will criticize him for my for his half-witted press release, you know, premeditated statements trying to act like we're going to forgive him because, you know, he got caught and he's sorry and all that stuff. But at the same time, the biggest critics I am of all this, I'm not even mad at Florentino Perez. It's Florentino, bro. He said, said, I'm going, listen, this is the same man who didn't buy Ronaldinho because he was too ugly. So stick to your guns. That's why everything makes sense, though. He's consistent. (laughs) I mean, I have more respect for Perez than I do, say, John Laporta, who kind of like, he kind of like piddle paddled it. And I'm like, listen, you were here for three months. You knew this was going on the entire time because you have as many connects in Europe as anybody else. That's why I was like, well, yeah, that you get rid of uh, the other idiot there, Barcelona. We don't even remember his name because he's, you know, oh, I remember it. I and, and don't history. even want to mention still it. Getting investigated. Yeah, we don't even need to mention it. So Laporta was not much of a difference from. No, it was a trip. lateral move. That was a lateral move. <laughs> That's by all we got to say. Barca. Pretty much going from Trump to Biden. Too soon. (laughs) Too soon. (laughs) They weren't ready. Too soon. But, like, that's really what it is, though. It's like, yeah, on on the surface, it sounds wonderful. Everything he's saying is wonderful. But at the same time, you know the history always repeats. So let's, I mean, let's, let's really start to unpack this thing, Brian. I don't remember... I told myself I would look up what episode it was when we talked about the uh, Project Big Picture. And even when we talked about that, I think it was at the top of this year, there were rumblings of a possible Super League. And we had said it, yeah, you know, it's probably just a power play by these major clubs to get UEFA to make some adjustments with the Champions League structure and all of that. Sunday morning, which still happened anyways, right? Sunday morning, I wake up. To watch my Red Devils get that dub against Burnley, but shout out once again to uh, Jamie Tarkowski for for balling out. Um, and as I'm watching the game, I keep seeing this this Super League talk come up, and I'm like, oh okay, they're just they're just fooling around. By Monday morning, no, I'm sorry, by Sunday afternoon, I'm seeing Gary Neville go full send with this whole situation. Going off, and what a rant it was! Uh, it was it was classic Neville. By Monday morning, I'm like, oh, this thing is really real, mm. and I actually see both sides of it. On the one hand, as a fan of the game, I'm like, yeah, this is right. stupid. Like you players didn't know, like fans were all blindsided. But if I'm an owner. And you look at these uh, the owners of these teams who are involved, particularly the owners. I'm going to fast forward a little bit of the three clubs that are still in. I get it. I get it. We are in a guaranteed, basically guaranteeing 400 million estimated of commercial income. Like you can't COVID COVID made this more possible and more feasible. A $6 billion funding by J.P. Morgan Chase, which ironically enough is the bank that Ed Woodward worked for before he got hired by Manchester United. 
Huh. Apparently, he was still listed as a consultant for them, too. So it's like, yeah, I mean, and keep in mind, United, before right. that, worked with AIG, which was like basically just right. a slightly smaller JP Morgan. So just think of that. Like, this is this is literally where it comes down to. And, and a lot of the fans are very right to be angry. However, I always like seeing things from the other side. I like the devil's advocate part of things. And... I look at it from a conflict of interest. I'm like, no offense to Sky Sports, but facts. they have oh, the facts. most to lose. That's what. That's why all the that's why all the pundits are going on. And, oh yeah, and, and, I mean Italy uh, with Juve and it'll, Inter Milan and uh, AC Milan. I mean Italy would be a disaster if Roma. I actually, could see I don't Roma know, jumping Roma would probably sure. jump in that simply too. So, and even Napoli, yeah, I could see Napoli even getting invited. So that that's it. They're gutted. I mean, best teams out of Atlanta. Which, I mean, is the reason the Super League created, because the teams resented the fact that RB Leipzig and Atalanta are getting there. They don't mm-hmm. want another Chelsea. They don't want another Man City. I think United were... I think United look at Man City and go, we let yeah, them we do it become an empire. Yeah. We should have stuffed them in the meantime. Basically, the way that Europe felt about the Ottomans by the time they got to Great comparison. The, the Balkans. Great comparison. Like, yeah, yeah. we should have stopped them sooner. And now you need the Battle of Vienna to stop them. And unfortunately, I don't know when that Battle of Vienna is going to be. And I don't even know if they're going to win it. Sad. Because I don't know if there's eight other allies for you. I don't know if you're going to get the allies. Nobody's going to feel bad for United. However, with Leeds coming back in the Premier League, with Leicester City becoming much more of a financially... Actually, they're, they're spending much like Everton in the last couple of seasons. Everton are getting there. Um, West, West Ham. Ham have come along, and you know the gold, the Golden Sullivan, Golden Sullivan have assets that they never had to spend because they right. were never in that class of player. So I mean, just in the Premier League alone, there's about nine to eleven teams that could finish in the top six. So when teams, when people say it's the same shit every year, I agree. I kind of resent that in the Premier. Oh, League. for sure. In Germany now, in Germany, it Germany's when people say it's a farmers league, I go, no, no, Germany's not a farmers. Maybe Bayern wins it every year because Bayern's that good. Dortmund's right. usually two or three because they're that good. But do I look at it like La Liga and say there's a difference in the league? Yeah, because Germany, I think there's about six or seven teams in that middle rank that yeah. could go anywhere between yeah. three and 15, literally. And that's crazy because Schalke, Schalke is getting relegated. Used, Schalke's yeah. won Schalke the used league, to what, be, 18 times. My teenagers at least. Schalke used to Schalke be, used to be yep. Dortmund. What Dortmund is right exactly. now is what Schalke was for generations. Um, oh, even Hamburg, yeah. Hamburg was yeah. an empire for years. They competed in Europe. They once fought in a, in a quarterfinal against Aston Villa the year they won in 81 and 82. Hamburg yeah. was a semifinal team, I think. So just a little soccer history there, but like that, there are some teams that really fall apart. And without that process, without that, I mean, Leeds United went from playing in the champions league to being in league one, bro, bro. I mean, Blackpool went from being three years in the premier league in the nineties to now they can't even finish above sixth place in League One. Crazy. Blackpool. Or Nottingham oh, Forest won the Premier League the second year it existed. And now they can't even finish Bro. above 10th in the championship. So, still rooting for Barnsley, though. Go Daryl Dyke. Hey, That's the championship. Shout out to Daryl Dyke. Pride of the American. Uh, whew, yeah. Here's the other thing, though, Brian. This Super League thing's not going away. I know for... Folks were, I saw the memes flying hot and heavy, you know, RIP, 
I mean, there's three simple yeah. fixes that well, would make it yeah. a lot better, though. One, get rid of this whole fucking yeah. non-relegation crap. Like, the 15 clubs staying in there. If you did it, like, 20... If you replaced the Europa League with this... I'm here I think for that, you would actually get for something. sure. Because, you know what? You don't need teams that finish, like, seventh place in the English division Dude, getting on, European continental play. Like, that's just... We're not here for that. No. No, 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 no. Like... Like, get, make these clubs have to actually and develop that, young talent. Like, Ryan, for teams it. like Southampton. Like, for teams like Southampton and, and, and even, like, that's just it. Like, you look at some of the teams in some of these smaller leagues. Like, look at the Dutch League, right? How do most of those guys uh, come along? Homegrown. Belgian League, homegrown. That's why Beneliga combining makes sense. The Super League is why the Beneliga thing leaked. And that probably wasn't a finished product either. And they got criticized for that too. Both Belgian fans and Dutch fans, even though we supported it because we kind of get the logic and we want to see those clubs get a higher profile. However, it's not as demonstrative as the Super League because here's the thing with Belgium and the Dutch. Most of those, league, most of those teams play friendlies against each other every year. So it's not like they're not familiar. And the travel's not insane. Continental travel... In the wintertime in Europe, uh, do Europeans need to be reminded? I mean, Manchester United fans don't need to be reminded of how deadly winter travel is. No. Uh. Even though we've gone a, some, such a far away in 70 years, but that disaster could happen. I mean, Marshall, which led to a We Are Marshall movie. I mean, we still have airplanes disappearing in the air. You don't want to mess with European winters. I mean, it's bad enough. I mean, blizzards in New England. I mean, the NHL doesn't even like it's it's just it's it's that's one element right there the travel is insane for team for players to play 65 games a year on top of that is insane now the american owners will look at it and go well basketball players play 82 games a year and baseball players play 162 games a year so that's why john the henry and, and, yeah. and the glazers are looking at but again like this is not like the Glazers, see, Glazers are feeling themselves right now because they were able to convince Tom Brady and they were they won a Super Bowl in the NFL. They, they're side. feeling untouchable so right they're now. They're feeling themselves untouchable, right. and just just wait. But I mean, if they get rid of the relegation thing, right? That's biggest thing. That if they got rid of that, I think people would be understandable. And then they have like twenty founding clubs. Even if it were like 20 random clubs put together, right? Because, I mean, the Premier League was put together exactly. with just the 20 highest standing clubs. So if even if you did the 20 wealthiest clubs in the world to get into this Champions League, right, the first year. Well, we all know one thing's for sure. Arsenal's getting relegated the first year. What's up, Stanley? What's up? <laughs> I'm, I'm okay with this. I'm okay with this instead, instead of the Champions League. If they extended that to 24 teams, they did two 12-team leagues. Right, but it's in place of Champions League. But you have to win your league to automatically qualify, and then the rest are based on the points that you based on the year before in all of your. Do we have Do we have a plan by any chance? I mean, I don't know if Florentino Florentino, like it, Florentino would probably like want something than... outrageous like. But is it something where it would allow clubs in that mid level? Like the Dutch leagues, the Portuguese leagues, the Scottish leagues, the Russian leagues to be competitive. I would say, yes. Because I think the best thing to do for the smaller divisions in in Europe is to right. combine. Like Austria, 
Netherlands and Belgium are going to be forced to combine crap, because of the Super League. We just talked about this last week. Are we entering the era of the Super League? I know. This is, this is, but this is something That's we talked true. about yeah. Project Big Picture too, was because, but here's the thing though. That now there's a little bit more element to the league combining thing. Now you're not going to see the Ukrainian Absolutely. league and the Russian league merge. Listen, that's a horrible, horrible idea. More political many, reasons many than we have time to number. We don't need to, to name. <laughs> now I would love to see the Yugoslavia. I would love to see the Yugoslavian states become right. one be soccer cool. federation, but that's never going to happen in a million years either, right? Especially with Serbia and Croatian league. I mean, seeing Dynamo Zagreb and and Partizan going head to head for a it. league title every year that'd be cool. But that's just not realistic. However, how, what do you do if you're a Dynamo Zagreb? What do you do mm. if you're an Ajax? And actually, I think Ajax are another team oh, for that sure. be invited. For to sure. Because some of these teams is not necessarily, um, but it's I not feel necessarily like, like do it. their wealth or their status. It's more so their heritage. So an Ajax, I think an Ajax, just with its soccer heritage, right. you got to invite them. Like, how cool would it be to have like Ajax and RB okay. Salzburg? Yeah. In like uh and 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 name the cup after like some Holy Roman Empire Roman thing. Empire. I'm, I'm sure they can make this up. It's just something that resembles that that whole thing over there, and and that's it. I mean, Belgium, Austria, and Netherlands—they were all part yeah. of one empire yeah. at one point. You're not wrong. <laughs> not like it's crazy. Plus, I just I just think that's a great idea. Like, I think if the domestic leagues were to start changing the way they do, like if I were England right now. And I were looking at some of the teams struggling in the championship. Maybe expanding the champion, maybe expanding the Premier League to twenty-two teams. Yeah, and adding we, Celtic and Rangers, and just leaving listen, the Premier League as twenty-two teams. We're going to keep saying might that might not be a bad idea. And then, and and Aberdeen right. would compete in the yeah. championship. Yeah. I've come to terms with that. I'm right. like, you know, I've seen Aberdeen enough times. Hearts would be in trouble in League One, but I mean, the rest of them would be League Two. That that the, the Scottish League is rubbish. That that's rubbish. But um, Celtic Rangers are clubs that I think could finish. Yeah, they finished top out, top out of the table. Of them. Rangers this year would be a Europe like Rangers right now would probably be where West Ham is mm. on the table if they had Premier League money. West Ham are probably still better, but I mean if they had Premier League money, that's so Brian. Europe just form a bunch of super leagues. I mean basketball kind of did that, and that's why basketball never really took well, off. That's right. Yeah, they got they just got no the Euro way. situation now. I feel like the domestic European play, like NBA True. is bigger in Europe than the domestic. Like I've never seen anyone say, oh, I'm like a right. Dynamo Zagreb no. basketball fan. Never met anybody. Yeah. And we've tried. And I've tried. <laughs> I've tried. The, Gre- the Greeks, though, seem to have the best, like, yeah, most domestically. consistent fan base yep. in all of Europe, so, European teams. Everyone else is like, oh, I'm a fan of players, which is the way some American fans are. But that's So, that's Brian, what happens? Let's say Europe forms all these super leagues. We've we've broached the idea of like a North American Super League between the MLS and Liga MAX merging. Side note, MLS just had their opening week. It was actually quite entertaining. We'll get to that sometime later. So that happens. And then let's just say, should all the South American leagues go ahead and form one giant Super League? Well, I mean, Brazil... Just has those Brazilian teams, particularly yeah. the top four Brazilian clubs, have rest much more it. money oh, than yeah. the rest yeah. of North and South America. I mean, if North American owners were allowed to spend to their capacity, then That's I think the America would have a big problem. problem. But however, yeah. just like 
But how many of those South American players Side want note. to come to America? Well, knowing there's a language barrier and knowing that it's not necessarily a to Europe, path, right? A direct path Speaking of spending, MLS just threw out some new spending regulations. This new, what they're calling dubbing the young money like provision. So if you are a, uh, a club, I think clubs have, I think it's three designator, designated player um, roster spots so they can spend X amount of dollars on that over and above what they would normally spend on a player or roster spot. Um, MLS is now incentivizing teams to sign young players and develop young players. So for example, if you decide to use all three of your those special roster spots for designated players, you're not going to get any extra money from the league. If you decide to, to uh, spend one spot on a young player, the league's going to give you, I think it's like 250 or 500K extra. If you decide to spend all three of your spots on a young player, I think you're getting somewhere in the neighborhood of like two million extra from the league. Now, to some, you may say that is, that sounds like pennies, but in the MLS, it's a whole lot of change. I mean, think about this: if people that compare MLS to League One in Britain, for a League One club, that's about like a starting level yeah. player. You know, market value of seven hundred fifty thousand. That's about a starter, maybe to a right. fringe player, maybe even a squad player, at the worst. So, that's a comparison. I think with the MLS, it's like you would think after like 25 years of existing plus that they would know that one, allow the clubs to make the revenue off of, instead of the league making the revenue off of the players that the teams sell, let the teams make the revenue off the play, uh, off the players they sell. So like a Daryl Dyke goes to Barnsley, right? How much did the MLS actually make? And how much will the MLS actually make in that deal? Like that's that's these are the these are the things that need to be solved. Like a Pulisic, a McKinney, Who are missing? Um, um, a Josh um, Sarge, um, a Tyler Alfonso Adams. Davies, even. Like, how much money do these teams actually get for these yeah. guys? And, and it's next to nothing. I mean, England England's not going to be able to sign American players young because of the work permit issues. But that doesn't stop like maybe the Spanish Portuguese or actually that Gomez oh, yeah. kid that just signed with Porto. Right, yeah. the kid that's a dual national yep. between Mexico and the United States. FC Porto has a history of signing Mexican oh, players. Yeah. yeah, that's not a surprise. But these in RB Salzburg with Brandon Aronson, um, even. I mean, we could go on. Like, there's a couple of other names we can go on, but like even Brian Reynolds to Roma. How do we, I mean? Nice they made money on Brian on Reynolds. They got ten million for him. That's that's good for a young player. But you got nothing for guys like McKinney and Pulisic, and that's that's really? disappointing. But the teams shouldn't need to be they incentivized by the it. league. They shouldn't be incentivized by the fact that this is the best way for the league to be Time sustainable out. in the long run. I just realized that MLS teams don't aren't putting sell on clauses in these contracts, are they, Brian? No, Brian. in football manager, that's a must. Sell on to every Brian. every any player I sell on to twenty three. <sighs> sell on clause fifteen percent. What the heck? No deal. <sighs> I'm sick. I mean, I mean, even if they were to get, say, for example, like Brian Reynolds, right? So Roma, they sold him to Roma, and I think that um, FC Dallas gets a 10% sell-on clause on the Reynolds deal. So that that is one where if Roma were to sell to like Liverpool, yeah, you know, let's yeah. say Liverpool, freaking yeah, ten, like five years down the line, they get it's a 35 million dollar deal. 3.5. That's, That's more than the league can give you on this young money stuff. 
3.5 million can get FC Dallas at least maybe four or five players on that roster or maybe like maybe wages for a couple of maybe for a month of the season. Like that's still operating. You're still getting good operating costs. So it's not like you're hurting yourself there. But again, like this is this is a mentality thing. Bro, facts. This is wild, man. Um Okay, we're just going to say, it, Brian. We are on the precipice of the era of the Super League. And by golly, I hope it happens. I hope it happens. Folks, stay tuned to what happens with this uh, European Super League situation. It's, it really isn't going away. Um, I think it was Florentino Perez said it today, that or on the day this being recorded, that uh, these teams that have quote-unquote backed out and these teams that have uh, issued apologies. They're not going anywhere because they already signed on the dotted line. You don't just back out of a contract in an agreement like that. So let the uh, soap opera continue. Folks keep making your memes, but uh, this isn't going away anytime soon. Super League, live on. We forgot to throw this in there. The threats from UEFA and from FIFA regarding this Super League situation, Brian. As I was reading the potential threats that they were throwing out there, you know, players, for example, um, players in the Champions League semifinal on teams that are in the Champions League semifinal who have teams that are signed up for this European Super League won't be able to play. Um, Players won't be able to play in the World Cup. Uh, Several other things. I did not read that and chuckle. I read it. And I imagined your face when you saw these sanctions, Brian. And then I chuckled. What are your thoughts on these uh, these alleged sanctions? I mean, they can't really discipline the players for it. I mean, that's not like the players asked their douchebag owners to go make these deals. Um, but like again, this is where it really gets complicated, right? So. Again, with the European Super League, like obviously the media networks have a conflict of interest because they want to control, they want to be the ones that broadcast it exclusively, and they want to bring the price down for the broadcasting rights. So obviously they're going to crap on this league as an idea, right? We've already comp, we've already discussed that. The players don't like it because it's more games for left for the same money, and then the fans don't like it because well they lose their local rivalries and. But here's the thing that nobody forgets about this: How about the fans around the world that don't get to see? Their favorite European teams, except for maybe like once every two years or so. So like for people in America, the MLS kind of, you know, isn't to par, right? For people that are fans of European teams. And you go out there and you get Real Madrid versus Juve at, you know, Foxborough Stadium, right? In 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 Boston for a kid like me. That's the best time we get to see them. But guess what? In those games, they don't play anybody. I mean, the most valuable thing. The game of Jewel, actually, I remember a game was played, I think it was Fenway Park or Yankee Stadium, right? And Ruben Loftus cheat tore his ACL in that game. And I'm thinking to myself, how useless are these freaking games? So at the same time, like, like, man, I can't. It's pathetic. Just outright pathetic. Like, I can't. I can't. Brian, we're rounding home on this episode. What is one thing that you're watching out for as we head off into the summer, a wild summer of the beautiful game? 
Well, one, to see how bad Leicester's going to screw this up. <laughs> I mean, they're four points clear third, at third place, and I still feel like they're going to finish at least fifth or sixth. Like, I don't know how this happens, and I'm sorry to Leicester fans, first of all. You guys are nice, you know. It's not like Leicester is, is like, you know, um, the hooligan bunch. They're not. They're just, they're just chill. But, like, Leicester has proven to me time and time again that unless they play West Brom every day in the end of the season, that I just don't trust them. No. I really don't. I mean, and West Brom have had a couple of good results, but like they're just it's just not that at all. Leicester, man. I will continue to beat this drum with them. I don't trust them. Italy too. Italy's gonna be crazy that top four race because pretty much, I mean, what if it what all right, what about a points deduction? Right? So what if there's a points yeah. deduction for the teams? So actually, let me look up Italy for a second because Italy is a very fascinating um, title race, right? The Saints has a points deduction between AC Milan, Inter Milan, and Juve. Pretty much, Juve loses out on European place, right? Pretty much. So say if the each say let, let's go with a five point deduction, right? right? For so each of the teams that AC were in the Super League competition. And Juve. So that puts Juve. So let's start with Juve. Juve goes down to sixty points. They are now in fifth place. Dang. Um, AC Milan's at 61 points. They're now in fourth. That makes the top three. Inter Milan at 71 points, which doesn't impact them that much. Atalanta at 65. Napoli at 63. And then you would still have... Now Lazio and Roma would be within three points of Europe instead of five. Now Roma still has that game in hand, so I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt that they can at least get a draw in that game. But, um, but yeah, Italy could be cracked wide open. I mean, England, I, I don't know. I mean. It's like City and Inter are in a position where they're stop not going to get caught. You stop that. Deduction. Now, if you did City 10, could be caught. City now, can if get you did a 10-point deduction. deduction. City is up by how many points right now? There. Well, they you can also get that deduction, Brian. too. <laughs> don't do that, Brian. Don't you, don't saying, you do just, that, Brian. I'm I, sorry. Just for that, I hope Sporting loses. Sporting takes the L this weekend. Okay. <laughs> I mean, it's just like, let's be fair, right? So say if it's like a five-point deduction, let's do the Premier League. I mean, Man City are at 72, right. United are at 61, Chelsea are at 50. Now, Chelsea is the most devastating Chelsea? of this. We're not even going to get to Liverpool. Liverpool season Liverpool's ended season. a month ago. Chelsea dropped to 50 points. Now, I'm, I'm going to leave Tottenham and Liverpool aside because they've been up and down the whole season, as well as Arsenal. But Chelsea go from 55 points to 50, and that puts them below West Ham in, sixth, in fifth place. So Everton is only down a point. It's going to, either way, Chelsea was going to have it. And Everton would jump. And Everton would jump Tottenham and Liverpool with a five-point deduction, by the way. And Leeds and Aston Villa and Wolves well, oh, would jump. Also. I mean, you don't understand how happy I would be to see Arsenal get jumped by those teams. West Ham and Chelsea is going to be the dogfight for the end of the season. For their their, their placement, yeah, and you know who benefits the most from a champion from a points deduction in the present West Ham and Leicester, the two clubs that I think the big exactly. six are trying to prevent from entering the program. exactly um, things I'm looking forward to coming for the summer, Brian. The Euros. I know we we, it's almost as if with all the things going on, the Euros have been forgotten about over here on the Forum Hooligans, but I have not forgotten. 
because on the end, on the the tail end of those euros. Oh, because here's part of it. It's part of it. Um, word just came out. Wembley um, Stadium is going to get some extra games during the Euros due to you know, COVID and such. But depending on how COVID moves through Europe, it could really get things could really get funky during the Euros. And then on the tail end of that, though, transfer window, man. I'm interested to see who's going to be the star during the Euros, who's going to get the big name contract. Who's going to distract all of us from where Erling Holland goes to from where Harry Kane goes from where Kylian Mbappe possibly goes? Who's going to be that guy? Who's going to party and get uh, and break COVID protocol so they miss out on some games, including a few teammates? So who's going to be? It's, oh, for sure. There's going to be some, some young, or, dumb stars yeah, who that's a did not pay attention to Mason Mount and Phil Foden last summer and are going to go ahead and break all kinds of protocol. Jack Grealish Jack as well, Grealish, and they're going to end up getting, or they're going to be the idiots to party, catch it, and spread it to the, like, what happens, Brian? What happens if a team has an outbreak because of one dummy who goes to a party, and this happens in the middle of the Euros? Do you, do you have to forfeit? If you have to forfeit a match because of one, it, this is, this is, this is a beautiful game. Things get really ugly. I'm afraid for some. I'm afraid for someone's life if they pull something that stupid. The one thing I really worry about um, with all that it's it's not so much it's not just England. It's really just like in general, right? Because you have a bunch of like imagine like for England, how do you choose between like a Jaden Sancho and a Jack Grealish over say, you know, maybe a Calvin Phillips and a Patrick Bamford, for example, that might be like locker room guys that could fit in. So it's like it's hard. Right. I mean, it's like when Team USA picks for basketball, it's like, okay, you know, they're going to, they can't just take like, you know, the the best 12 players in the league. You got to take a couple Sean Marion's and Tyson Chandler's with you, too. So I think that's what these national teams have to realize. I think Portugal has it down now. Portugal's 2016 team was very well balanced. I think everyone complimented each other nicely. I mean, France, you can't, not everyone's France. It's not fair. Just not fair. Um, That's just how it is. I mean, even Italy, Italy's roster right now, like if I had more faith in that, in that, in that, um, like basically if I just had more faith in that, uh, and in, in that midfield being healthy and that defensive group, they'd be, they're good up front. You could put any combination of Chiesa and, you know, Immobile, they could figure it out. They could score goals, but you know defensively yeah. I, i'm a little worried with italy but that's the thing like it you have to be able to correct you have to be able to hide right. your and this is the by also showing your strength oh yeah i mean look at leeds united Trash. right leeds united defensively they're not no. a premier they're not really a premier league team robin cook got yeah. out and they sucked when he was hurt now they were able to figure it out by having Stuart dow wherever you wanted to play him yeah marcel bielsa needs him but that's the kind of player that international teams need. You need a few deaths. Euros, here so we come. And down. I don't know, Brian, you know, maybe if maybe if the world gets a little, little safer and maybe if, you know, Uncle Sam throws you a couple extra dollars, you know, maybe you come out here to L.A. for the MLS All-Star game. I don't know. You know, summer could get summer could get real active, Brian. Just saying come out th- these parts i'll show you a good time out here on the west um y'all that's a wrap that's full time another episode of formed hooligans podcast y'all want to hear more from us 
check us out over on the website at tssaw.com again that's tssaw.com and as always host osahan i got brian i don't know brian who, who are we today oh you know what i'll let you choose in honor of jose getting fired how about jose wow and Andre what a pairing that's an what odd that's pairing. an odd duo that is an odd duo both they of have, them have had a lot of fun had some great both of them have had a lot of fun right man they are are they both unemployed both right unemployed. now they're both unemployed hired. that's what i was Maybe gonna they say should team up at Benfica. y'all they're both if they done. can't win it y'all that's a wrap <laughs> we signing off catch y'all on yeah. the next one Wow.